All right, now, moving on. To our guest speaker this morning, our keynote speaker at our butt-kicking women's conference was a lovely, charming woman. She's been an actress for 25 years. She started in numerous movies and TV series, including five years as Andy Griffith's law partner on, on uh, Matlock. Uh, she was three years uh, on the Emmy Award-winning St. Elsewhere. She's been on ABC series Scott Sidekick. She was in a daytime psychodrama, The Doctors, or whatever those things are. Soap operas, that's what they call it, right? Psychodramas is what they are. <laughs> if you women watch those things, you need a swirly. All right? <laughs> Do not watch that nonsense. Good Lord. Uh, she's been a guest star on numerous shows, judging Amy E.R. recently on The Mentalist, on and on and on. Her greatest claim to fame, however, is she was the first guest co-host on the incredible show Love, Marriage, and Stinking Singing, which is all about me. Would you please welcome Nancy Stafford? We love you. We love you. <laughs> hey there, Celebration Church. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Thank you for having me this morning and letting me come and share some of the things I've got on my heart and my mind this morning. Um, how many butt-kicking women we got out here? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Great. And how many women were at the conference? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad you're back, and it's so great to be here. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Uh, I love this man. Love your church. And um, I got to tell you, before I even start, that you know, you talked about this long, regaled this long resume. I have. I have been an actress for about 150 years. And um, but I, what I've loved about my career is I've always been a co-star, and I've always had just the amount of visibility that that people think they know me, but they're not sure why. And so as I was checking out my hotel this morning, the sweet little gal behind the desk looked at me and she looked down and she looked right up again and she says, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I know you. I said, well, thanks. She says, how do I, why do I know you? And I said, well, you know, I've been staying here for the conference and but I'm an actress. Maybe you've seen me on TV. She says, no, that's not it. She said, don't you work at the Taco Bell on Main Street? <laughs> But I do have to tell you, my absolute favorite uh, comment anybody's ever made was yesterday at the conference with a sweet little lady, this beautiful little silver-haired lady on a walker came kind of hobbling up to me, and she came over just sliding along, and she just said, I grew up watching you on Matlock. (laughs) I said, thank you. Anyway, I am just, I want to just share uh, a couple of, of things that I've learned through the years. You know, we all, we all expect, have you ever done this? Have you ever kind of expected your life and your career to just sort of be this straight line upward to ascent, just total success in everything you ever attempted? Well, I have finally learned that life is sort of different than that. We expect this trajectory going straight up, but life is full of ups and downs and successes and failures, and I have been applauded and completely forgotten. And so there's a few kind of life lessons that I've learned that I bet you you in your own lives can kind of relate to. So I'm going to just share with you a couple of principles of things I've learned along my journey. I've had a great career, but I've also had some pretty challenging experiences too. Um, But the first lesson I want to mention to you is don't fear failure. We're in a culture that loves to say that success is everything. Hide, Hide your failures, 
you know, let's put your best foot forward. Let everybody know that you're just, you know, put on the veneer, wear the mask. What I love about your church is you guys say it even in your, in your opening, be real. And that is so much more interesting and empowering to us and other people. And you know what? You don't need to fear your failures. We always expect that um, in life everything should be a success. But in a funny way, have you ever found for your own life that failure is often a real gift to you? Have you ever found that to be true? I have. It may not feel like it at the moment you're going through it. But ultimately, as we look back, we realize, oh, my gosh, what a gift that was that I didn't get that or I didn't do that right or I, I really fell on my face doing that. Um, my very first modeling job, before I was an actress, I was a model. And my very first job was in college. And I went to my local Burdines department store, and I was a perfume spritzer. You know those girls, right? The ones you always run the other direction when you go into the store. She's chasing you with a cloud of who knows what. She wants to spritz on your face. Well, my, I was just terrible at this job. I was never good at it because I was shy and I was reserved and I didn't want to impose myself on anybody. So I would, with my little wavery voice and my hopeful look in my face, I'd hold up the bottle and say, care for a little bit of youth do? And yeah, that shows you how old I am. Youth do, yeah. Oh, the ladies who actually know youth do, thank you. Thank you for laughing. But um, I realized that I was not very good at this. And when the, the manager of the store discovered that our perfume sales actually went down on the days that I was working, he discovered that this really wasn't my calling. So he sent me to another aspect of modeling, and he sent me over to the, the uh, bridal department. And after I did my very first runway show and a photo shoot, I was hooked. And I was a really lousy spritzer, but I was a really good model. And I would never have known that unless I had failed at spritzing. I think one of the greatest opportunities in our lives sometimes come about as a result of our failure, doesn't it? One of the things I've noticed about successful people is that they don't feel fear failure. They don't view it as a negative thing at all. They just think of it as an opportunity to try something new and to go down another road. They never become discouraged. And most successful people you know are ones that have failed many, many, many times, haven't they? But they just realize it's just an air, an time for me to discover maybe another area of gifting or talents that I never knew I had. Um, another time I failed was I failed to get an acting job over a long period of time. After I finished Matlock, which was five years, that was my third consecutive acting job. Um, as, a, as a series regular. So I've been working for about eight years, nonstop, or 10 years, nonstop, 18 hours a day sometimes, 15 hours on a soundstage every day. I was tired. So when Matlock ended, I said, okay, I'm just going to take a break. I am going to just spend the next six months and just rest up. And it was great. Okay, I'm ready to go back to work. Okay, who's hiring me? Not a sound. Not a sound. It was deadly silent out there. Nobody came offering me an acting job. So a friend of mine called me who was producing a new show, and it was called Main Floor. It was a fashion, lifestyle, beauty trends show, and it was really new for its time. And he said, it's going to be great, you're going to be fabulous, and, and we're going to be in 40 countries around the world, and it's going to be, you'll be the host. And I said, well, excuse, you what? I'm going to be the host? No, 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 I'm an actress, I'm not a host. Don't even ask me to host. He said, no, it'll be great, it's not going to hurt, it's going to be good. And I said, all right, well, as a favor to you, I'll do your show but I'll do your pilot, but I will not do the whole show, so don't even ask. So he called me back. The pilot sold largely because of you. you got to do the show. And kicking and screaming and digging my heels into the ground, 
I agreed to do this show because nobody was banging down my doors offering me another job as an actress. And guess what? It turned into be one of the greatest blessings of my life because it got me back to my roots in fashion, got me back to my roots in journalism, which was my very first career out of college. And about, I don't know, about six or eight months into the show, this is in the mid-90s, our producer said, Nancy, you're going all over the country and you're talking to these women about inner beauty, whatever that is. I have no idea what that could be. Why don't you write a, we're going to do this website. There's this new thing called a website. We're going to do it. He said, why don't, you, why don't you write a column every month? Now they call it a blog. But back then it was a column. And he said, you can write whatever you want. And on this secular TV show that aired all over the world, every month I got to write about what a real beauty prescription is. And it's a relationship with God. And I did it very subtly and very covertly. But I got to paraphrase scripture and I got to, to say a wise man once said. And I got to tell them what real beauty was all about. And um, about eight months or ten months into this, I got a call from a Christian publisher who'd been reading Nancy's notebook. He said, you got to do a book. Oh, my gosh. I said, no, there's a million books out there. I don't need to do a book. He said, well, yeah. You... And I said, no, we don't need another book in the world. He said, Nancy, you have a very different, fresh voice. Let's do a book. And it, two books later, and getting to travel all over the country and speak to women about the greatest passion of my heart, God has really used this very divergent path in my life to fulfill a destiny in me that I never realized I would have had. And it never would have happened if I hadn't failed to get an acting job. So some of the failures in our lives, some of the difficulties, open up new opportunities for us, new areas of gifting and new roads for us to venture down if we're willing to sometimes get off the main road. Endings are often new beginnings, aren't they? Failure is not defeat. If you try something, you're going to fail. And if you never fail, it means you never got out of your comfort zone. But failing, endings, is really not the end of the world. I love what, I, what Romans 8.28 says. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. A famous sports psychologist said, failure, rejection, and mistakes are the perfect stepping stones to success. Have you ever failed? You ever, have you noticed that that's true in your life? Maybe not at this time, but you will. Trust me, you will. Y'all remember the story about Thomas Edison? You know, he invented the light bulb. He, he had 2,000 experiments that he tried before he ever got to get the light bulb to work. And when someone asked him, you know, how did he feel after failing 2,000 times? He said, I never failed once. I invented the light bulb. It just happened to be a 2,000-step process. <laughs> That's the attitude we need to have. Don't fear failure. Don't think it puts you out of the running. It doesn't but instead use it to propel you out of your comfort zone, to give you new eyes to see things differently. In this very challenging economic time we're in as a nation, we are getting downsized, we're losing jobs, we're getting unemployed, we're failing in a lot of our employment, aren't we? We're struggling, we're looking for things we're supposed to do, but we're not able sometimes to get the jobs that we think we need. And sometimes failing to get a job will also propel us to find out what do I need to do differently? What's not working right now? How can I help make myself more marketable? A few years ago, uh, after I turned 50, it was like a Hollywood actress in, in L.A., over 50, and a Christian. It's like invisible. There were a lot of roles that I had turned down because I was just not interested in doing them. And also, you know, I'm a woman over 50. They're not interested. And I used to be this audition queen. I mean, I, I'd audition and I'd get it every time. I was just good at it. 
but now they were coming very few and far between. I wasn't getting that many auditions, so every time I got one, it became so important. Oh my gosh, and I sabotaged myself every time. I would go in there and I'd make it just so important that I blew it. And finally, after three or four really awful auditions, I realized, what do I need to do differently? I gotta get back to class. So I dragged myself back to a cold reading class and I got my chops back. Or I also, once I got into mental paws, you ladies understand, (laughs) your weight, you gain some weight, right? Harder and harder to lose the weight when you're in mental pause. I don't know what that's all about, but it is. So I'd gained weight, I'd gotten a little depressed, I was a little discouraged, weight after weight after weight. And I finally realized, you know what? If I'm looking for the jobs that I want to do, I better make myself marketable. I can't expect, TV is a visual media. As much as I wish it didn't matter, unfortunately for me to be employed as an actor, it matters. So I got myself to the gym. I started eating better and I lost a lot of weight. What do you maybe need to do in your own life to make you more marketable in this hard economic time or in, just in your relationships? What can you do in, if you've had a failed relationship or a, or a struggling marriage? What can you do to make your life better? What can you do for yourself to improve in those areas where you feel like you've had weakness or failure? Winston Churchill said, success is failure after failure after failure with enthusiasm. Don't you love that? That's how we need to have the attitude. So just think about this. What is a diamond except a lump of coal that just stuck with it? (laughs) Stick with it. Don't let it discourage you. Every one of us wants to live at the top of the mountain, but failure teaches us that the greatest lessons in life occur on the climb up. That's where our maturity really happens is we're on our way up that mountain. And so you got to learn to welcome changes in your circumstances, even if they're difficult. And I got to tell you, I'm in a difficult situation right now. We're in a very challenging situation, my husband and I. 14 years ago, he and I have had a vision for years of building a place of retreat, a a beautiful spiritual retreat for people to come outside of L.A. It's an hour and a half from our home in Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful 25-acre ranch, and it's it's houses that people can come and work on creative projects. Um, Writers come and finish their screenplays or their books, or musicians come and work on their projects. Leaders come. Um, spiritual leaders come for healing and restoration and government and corporate executives come with their leadership teams. It it was a glorious vision and it was affirmed by so many people and confirmed by God over and over and over again. And now I'm scrubbing toilets. Every step of the way has been hard. You know, we've heard all the glory stories, you know, of miraculous inflows of money to help miraculous flocks of people coming to help. That's not our story. We're doing this all by ourselves. We're watching our bank account empty faster than a leaky water tank. I mean, we're building fences and we're building bridges and we're renovating houses and paying plumbers and electricians and then one house is done and then, and then another house is done and then finally the lodge got finished and now we can sleep 20 and I'm just, I'm reminded of God saying that if we're faithful in the little things, he'll give us more and he has. He's given me more toilets. Now, i got to be honest with you. This feels like a real step down for me. I mean, for 25 years, I spent on a soundstage in Hollywood with makeup artists and hairdressers and costumers tending to my every need. And every morning, a production assistant would bring a steaming hot cup of coffee and rat-tat-tat on my beautifully appointed motorhome and say, Miss Stafford, we're ready for you on set. Ah, I reminisce. Those were the days. 
I'm thinking about this as I stick my hand in a yellow rubber glove and shove it halfway down a toilet. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, good, I only have five more to go. And I got 25 loads of towels and sheets, and I got to haul those tree limbs, and I got to chase the skunks out of the woodpile. Now, I'm thinking a lot about Joseph these days. You ever have times when you think about Joseph? Well, he was, uh, remember the story of him? He was the favored son, and then his brothers cast him into a pit and left him for dead. He was wrongly accused of of something he didn't even do, and he was thrown into prison. And then he was released and became a high-level servant in Potiphar's house. No, that's when he was wrongly accused and thrown into prison. And then 17 years after his brothers threw him in that pit to be forgotten, he finally was released and got elevated to the second position in the land under Pharaoh himself. Wow. That kind of puts my toilet scrubbing in perspective. But what about you? Maybe, maybe you feel a little bit like Joseph. Maybe you've been in a position of power and influence and honor or wealth. And maybe you've lost that position. Maybe you've been cast down. Maybe it's happened to you more than once. Maybe you feel forgotten, abandoned, hopeless. But what I love is the end of Joseph's story because that's where the key lies. In, in Genesis, Joseph says he understood what God had in mind. You intended to harm me he said to his brothers who had set this whole chain of events in motion. But God intended it for good to accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph's ups and his downs were what God used in his life to shape him into the man who would one day save an entire nation. And out of whom would come Jesus of Nazareth, who would one day redeem and save the entire world. We don't recognize the gift of failure and difficulty in our lives. Our real shaping, our, the shaping of our hearts comes not through complacency and comfort. It doesn't come on the high top of the mountain, does it? It comes when we're really in difficulty, when we're struggling, when we're hurting, through hardship and pain and suffering, through the flat-out hard stuff of life. And it comes through unemployment. It comes through endless diapers you're changing or endless toilets you happen to be scrubbing. Our shaping can oftentimes look a lot like breaking, can't it? Of our hearts, of our control, of our, our performance mentalities, of our, of our perfectionism, even of our dreams. And we say, but why? Well, because it's, it's when we're broken before God that he can finally do something in us that we could never imagine doing on our own. And like Joseph, we've each been given a dream and a vision. We each have our own land to redeem, don't we? You've got your family. We have our community, you have your industry, you've got your nation, we've got a whole generation that we need to redeem. And we're being prepared through all of the painful, difficult circumstances of our lives to be able to be shaped into people of faith and integrity and purity of heart that can be entrusted with all the dreams that God has given us. Don't fear failure. Second principle I've learned is don't be paralyzed by the past. Let it propel you into the future. The gals who were here at the conference remember I told a ballet story when I was six years old of something that was said to me that just pierced my heart as a little girl. It was a lie that got lodged in my heart and mind, and I carried it with me all the way into adulthood, and it was the source of my deep-seated feelings of inadequacy and insecurity that I carried with me. And it really set in motion a whole lifetime of a low self-esteem. A lot of us have a ballet story, don't we? Two? 
or three. You don't have to be a woman to have a ballet story, guys. Things that we still carry with us into our adulthood that are lies, that are really not true. Um, Most of us have had very difficult pasts, some of us to varying degrees or another. But the past, have you found the past also, is anything from 70 years ago that happened to you and as, as short as seven minutes ago. But the past can affect us. But I love Isaiah 43. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wilderness. I, I have the belief as a Christian that God does not cause the painful things in our lives. But he sure can use them, can't he? If we allow him to. Our deepest wounds can often become our strongest strengths, which are then used for the benefit of other people. Your mess can become your message if you allow God to use you to encourage other people. If you, if you are willing to expose your past, share your experiences, your struggles, your temptations, your failures with other people, it encourages and empowers them to be able to get past their past. You know, I know from my life, I would certainly not be where I am today if it weren't for all the things I've gone through in my life. And neither would you, right? God has used them to develop things in me that could never be developed any other way. If I'd grown up pretty and popular, I I would have skated by on my looks probably. But instead, I didn't. I wasn't at all. So I had to develop other aspects of my personality and my talents and my intelligence. And if I hadn't grown up being very rejected and ridiculed as a little kid, I would not have any idea of the pain and heartache that women go through that struggle with insecurities and inadequacies unless that had happened to me. And, you know, I never really felt the heartache. I never understood all the heartache of a woman who was desperate to have a child and couldn't until it happened to me. And I really never understood how deeply families are hurting who have lost children through miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage or adoptions that fell through one after another after another until Larry and I had to walk through that devastating loss too. And honestly, I thought I had a lot of empathy, but I never understood people who were struggling financially or who had major traumas and, and, and things happened, crisis happened in their financial world and a lot of it was lost or working through unemployment or underemployment until guess what? I'm walking that road myself. And in every one of those experiences, God has ministered his grace and mercy to me that then now I can minister to somebody else because I've been there, and so have you. But as our wounds become scars, they become so much more than just reminders of what has been. They become reminders of what God has done. We become, as Henry Nouwen calls us, wounded healers. We've got something to give. We can dispense God's grace and mercy through the very scars that used to be our wounds. And then when we have the courage to come alongside other people who are hurting, who have experienced the same things that we're going through, and we expose our scars and we get really honest with them and say, look, I get it. I know the injustice you're experiencing. I know the betrayal. I understand the loss and the hurt and the pain. But look, here, take heart. There is one who heals. And your gaping wounds are going to close too. And only scars are going to be left. And when Jesus heals the wounds of our past, guess what? They lose their power. So I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for all the stuff I've had to walk through in my life, and neither would you. We've We've all had to go through a lot, haven't we? But here's the key. We've come through it. 
And doesn't that give us great hope for what we're going through right now today and what we know we're going to be going through tomorrow? Because he's going to use everything we go through for our good and others' encouragement and their benefit and for God's glory. So that we no longer have to say, oh gosh, why, why did I have to go through that? Why did I have to have this bad past? Instead, we could say, okay, I've come through this. Now, God, what would you have me do with this rich history you've given me? Don't be paralyzed by your past. Use it to propel you into the future and use your mess as your message to help other people. Third thing I want to share with you is to, and I don't need to share this point, but I'm here and I might as well since I've got it. Lighten up, laugh, smile. You're the laughingest people I've ever met in my life, so you, you could have taught, you probably taught me this lesson. Laugh and smile as much as you can, especially if you can laugh at yourself. Because guess what? You know this. Laughter just breaks down all kinds of barriers, doesn't it? It breaks our control. It breaks our perfectionism, especially when you learn to laugh at yourself. You know, laughter is amazing, and God has a very big sense of humor. <laughs> have you noticed that? I don't know what it is. I'm on a very short leash with God. And um, every, every time I try to, you know, act a little bit more than I am, a little try to be impressive, he just smacks me right down. It's just so funny. Um, I was two years ago, no, about four years ago, I was at the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., and I got to meet the president, President Bush, and I was just so excited. And I'm in, a, I'm in this receiving line to meet the president, and I'm just 20 people away from him. And I'm just so excited. I've got my brand new suit on, and it's just so pretty. And I've got these lovely little shoulder pads just to give me the great look, you know. And all of a sudden, 20 people away from the president, I notice that my shoulder pad begins to slip. And it begins inching its way down my arm. Now, I'm 10 people away from the president, and I just can't, I cannot reach in and fix it. I'm, like, doing everything I can to try to... <laughs> Finally, I just I got right to the president, and as I reach out to greet him, I deposit my shoulder pad directly into the hand <laughs> of the leader of the free world. <laughs> Fortunately, he laughed, but three Secret Service men escorted me and my shoulder pad away. <laughs> Those of you gals who were here at the conference and heard my blue dress story, you'll realize that... I have problem with enhancements. <laughs> Why do, am I ever going to learn my lesson? Just be who you are. Don't try to be anything more than you are. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, God has a very sense, big sense of humor. Laugh. Smile, especially if you can laugh at yourself. It really does break our perfectionism. You know, I hadn't realized how much like Martha Stewart I had become until my husband took me by the hand one day, marched me outside, and pointed to the dog bowls. And I guess it was that telltale slice of lemon floating in shadows water bowl that <laughs> gave me away. <laughs> Lighten up. Laugh. Besides, you know what? I heard that it's bad to suppress laughter because it goes right down and spreads to your hips. <laughs> Laugh. <laughs> Another point is remember who you are. Remember that you are loved unconditionally, that you have value and worth. You've been created for a divine purpose, for the bigger scheme of God's kingdom, not just in your own life, but you've been cast in a role in the bigger story of God for the benefit of his entire kingdom. You have been cast in a huge role, and nobody else can do what you can do. God had to create you himself. It's when the timing was just perfect, and he said, okay, 
it's time. I'm sending my son, John. Finally, I've, I've known about him since the foundations of the earth. It's finally time for him to come because his job's coming up. And he went inside your mama's womb and he just moved all those eggs around. He found just that one. Oh, perfect. And then he batted away all the sperm. And he found that one, and he put them together. Before you were ever created in your mama's womb, you were created in God's heart. And he made you with your personality and your temperament and your intellect and your body and your mind because you're exactly what he needed. In all of history, there's never been anyone quite like you, and there never will be again. So remember who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created for a divine purpose. You have a great future and a hope. You are loved with an everlasting love, says the Bible. Peter says, you've already been given everything you need for life and godliness. So now, once you know that you have a great purpose, then you can ask yourself, okay, what is my God-given assignment? What is your purpose to fulfill? Because God has an amazing divine purpose that includes your past, includes your failures. That's why he allowed those things to happen. Because you have a big part to play in the bigger kingdom of God for the purpose of his eternal plan. And then finally, just stick with it. Hang in there. We had these ancient oaks at our ranch, these beautiful big oak trees. And for years, I've just kept a little acorn on my desk. This is a little reminder to me that every big achievement, every big dream, every big anything, completion of anything always starts small. But with a lot of time and nurture and persistence and patience and intervention by God, it can grow into a mighty oak. I love the parable of the little the man who said to God, hey, would you make me like a mighty oak? And God said, certainly, and he handed him an acorn. We have to grow into all the dreams and visions that God has implanted into us. But pretty, pretty soon, every, every oak that we become in our lives, every oak that you see outside was simply a nut that just stood its ground, right? <laughs> Standing your ground. Be patient, persistent, and you will grow into a mighty oak whose canopy of shade is going to be something for other people to gather underneath. And when you're, when you're giving and you're helping and you're empowering other people and you're loving them and you're blessing them and you're pouring out your life into their hearts, you will always have such a strong sense of fulfillment and significance in your life, more than you ever dreamed. So share your failures with others. Don't get paralyzed by your past. Remember who you are. Smile and laugh, especially at yourself. And then empower and encourage other people through your own rich experiences. I want to finally bless you with Paul's words. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who love us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Bless you guys. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. That's my new life's definition. I am a nut that stood his ground. <laughs> We're going to ask the ushers to come at this time and prepare for communion. The musicians can come back up as we get ready to close our service. Oh, what a glorious thing, huh? This wonderful God that we know. My question to you this morning is, do you know this wonderful God? Maybe you're here as a result of the women's conference. You've spent a fabulous weekend with people and this all is very new and different to you and 
you've never truly really experienced what we're talking about. This is your opportunity to experience it today. Maybe you're the first time in this church. You think it's just a fluke, it's an accident, you're here, you didn't intend to come, somebody tricked you into coming, who knows what the deal was. But you know what, God knew you were going to be here today. Do you know this wonderful God who cares about you so deeply? Maybe you've been coming for a long time and you've never really surrendered your life to Christ. I had the privilege this last week of praying with a man who's been coming to our church for a year and a half. Comes into my office and says, I need, I need to experience God. I said, well, do you, do you pray with us every week when you come? He says, nope, won't do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. He's here every Sunday for whatever, for a year and a half. And finally, in my office, he surrendered his heart to Christ and and uh, experience this wonderful thing that you never know what it takes for somebody but let me encourage you act today while it's still called today no one's guaranteed tomorrow this is your opportunity to really get to know this wonderful God who loves you so much I'm going to invite you all to bow your heads in a word of prayer with me we're going to pray together before we take communion this is when we reflect on what Christianity is really all about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His body was broken so you could be whole. His blood shed so you could have forgiveness of all your sins. We're going to pray a prayer together. And if you will pray this prayer and mean this from the bottom of your heart, you can take your first steps of faith today. You can start to experience this wonderful God we've been talking about. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And that you love me so much. You went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.